Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. Unfortunately, today, this morning, I am without uh, my uh, my trusty uh, riding partner, Josh Miller, who's not able to make the uh, the recording today. So I'm uh, sorry, there's not going to be a ton of life to this uh, show, but that doesn't mean it's a completely dead show. We are uh, interviewing some uh, people from the funeral service business. So I'm keeping it all together as one big view and one big theme. So today I have Anthony Black and Laura Van Sprang, who interviewed with me the other day. And um, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the, the uh, intro to that in a moment. But a few things you do need to take care of when you're in broadcasting, as small scale as this broadcasting is. When uh, you do decide that you're going to state something, tell a story, there'll always be listeners or viewers who are sitting at home screaming out loud at their device. And um, last week's episode uh, was full of a few of them. So I want to catch up on some of my retractions as, uh, as good content retractions can be. So I was telling the story about the uh, Zoom initiation done by Victoria One Lodge, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, And uh, they put a heck of a lot of effort into their production and their preparation rehearsals and so forth. I, on the other hand, in telling the story, uh, got mixed up between two separate Zoom events. And I uh, said the Noble Grand of Victoria Lodge Number One was uh, Aaron Hall, who it is not, and he has not been the Noble Grand in about five years. Uh, I was corrected, and the Noble Grand who did lead everything that was uh, so well done in the initiation ceremony is Michael Gower, and Michael Gower uh, is a second, maybe third generation Odd Fellow here in Victoria. And uh, they did a great job with his uh, vice grand, Pascal uh, Ricard. Now, again, I missed uh, Pascal's last name, and which is a shame because I was trying to recall her last name because she and I had a conversation on the sidebar about hall hauntedness. That's a real word. And I was showing some videos to her from... Uh, Brother Ainsley Heinlich, who has recorded with night vision cameras, uh, something of paranormal activity. And that even was carried over into Van 90. And their haul uh, a week or so ago, I spotted that on Facebook. So uh, those people with halls with uh, many years of uh, members coming and going check it out. Uh, I don't think it's very expensive to get a night vision camera that will uh, capture your glowing orbs that fly around your room, but it'll give some validation to that feeling that uh, you once had while you were looking through old books that somebody might have been around the corner watching you. The other uh, 
member that is a friend of our show, uh, brother Michael Williams, aka Chef Michael Williams. He uh, appeared in our shows back in the summertime, and he is a partner with uh, the guests that we have on today. And uh, you'll hear that in uh, as Laura talks about Brother Michael. Uh, Brother Michael has started recording and uh, putting in the can season three, his third season, which is the ninth season of a show here in Victoria called Cookin', no G, Cookin' on the Coast. And so there's been two seasons that you can find on YouTube. And uh, they just started recording the third uh, season. So as he explained it uh, to me once before, it's great television that's all crammed into a short amount of time. And, you know, a bunch of episodes cut and then they get drilled out. So here he is trying to make recipes for the summertime and for summer menu thinking uh, while it's still wintertime and he's uh, still digging through the root vegetables that have been in the uh, pantry for a while. But do check that out, Cooking on the Coast with Michael Williams. So that kind of covers all my ketchup stuff, but I want to talk a bit about this episode You'll hear in the show where I uh, mentioned Anthony and I and uh, Laura had a conversation about a year ago, and I think it's actually a year ago today now that uh, I met Laura. Back then, uh, I didn't know what Anthony did, and he informed me uh, his relationship with Laura and how they worked together at uh, Sands Victoria Funeral Chapel. And I, uh, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Of course, I had no visions of a podcast or anything like that, nor did we know that COVID was going to shut us down uh, in seven days uh, that uh, I would uh, not be able to see them and continue to ha have a conversation about this. So when Josh and I started the podcast idea list, I had Bury the Dead at near the top of my list of topics to cover. So this one has been uh, in the works for quite some time, and uh, we finally put it all together, got it all arranged, and uh, recorded yesterday. So I'm really anxious to get this one up and running. It's very interesting how Oddfellow perspective of the mission that we have to bury the dead is translated into someone's profession. And uh, so I thought it was really a, a, a great team. Um, unfortunately, Laura's first year in Odd Fellowship is 2020, so you'll hear her talk a bit about that, and how oh, I, we dug into how COVID really affected their industry and how they are able to comfort people in their time of bereavement and, uh, and try to bury the dead in that respectful way and still meet the, the, the challenge of relieving the distress they are experts in their field. They have been doing it uh, for many years. I, I believe they're both around 13 years each. They really do want to point out that if people have questions about preparation or even just about service that may be needed for a loved one or, or even planning for your own, uh, we talk about pre-planning. Uh, do contact the service providers in your uh, neck of the woods because, uh, you know, this is their job. They are preparing what they can provide to their clients. And every client comes in the door with a different 
perspective on where they are or whether they're a uh, survivor in, in deep distress or whether they're planning for their own, their own service, their own memorial. We, um, we talked a little bit about my dad passing last year. And one of the things I, I relay my story is that my parents both have all their arrangements planned. And so it was air quotes, uh, an easy job for, uh, for the survivors and, and my mom, especially knowing that everything was taken care of. Um, and as odd fellows, we should think a bit about our preparation and to be able to relieve the distress of people in the future. So uh, people we leave behind. So that is things that are financial related, like a will um, for your property and your estate. Um, but also this, this memorial activity and uh, Laura talks about the the number of things that need to get done, the number of decisions to make, and if that was put on my my mom, my sister, and I uh, afterwards, um, my dad uh, my dad's passing, which was not sudden, but um, it it still happened, and you're in those moments that all of us uh, will eventually uh, experience if you haven't already uh, that making tens of tens of tens of decisions is really tough. Uh, so uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I was looking forward to it for quite some time. It is very interesting. Um, and it's not all just uh, talking about uh, bodies and, uh, you know, scary, spooky stuff like that. Uh, we, we have some fun at the end. And uh, one of the things that I do want to point out is that Anthony brings up a great short program that was at Victoria Lodge number one. It's called Death Cafe. So you'll hear that mentioned as well. So please enjoy and thank you very much. So I have the pleasure of sitting down with two odd fellows uh, from Victoria here, uh, Laura Van Sprang and Anthony Black, uh, who work for Sands uh, Memorial Services Funeral Home. I don't know the full name. Who wants to correct me on what the correct local name is? We go by Sands Victoria Funeral Chapel. All right. Thank you very much. So uh, welcome to Modern Goat Rider podcast. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Ah, you're welcome. Uh, so why don't we just uh, start real simple and uh, do a odd fellow uh, bio for each of you. Just tell us about uh, what lodge you're members of and when you joined. I'm a um, member of the, the, the Victoria Number One Lodge. I joined just approximately two years ago, so uh, maybe a, perhaps a little less. Um, and yeah, so far I've been loving it. And I am part of the Bastion Lodge. I was initiated one year ago tomorrow, and um, it has been a different experience for me due to COVID taking over just about a week after I joined. So I haven't had the pleasure of really getting the full experience of the Oddfellows with, uh, within the beautiful lodge, but having Anthony as an Oddfellow, um, as well as um, Michael Williams, Chef Michael, who, who was working out of our funeral home as well as the chef, I was able to uh, attend some of the events before I was initiated in and have that experience. So uh, it's, uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, going to be the anniversary of us, uh, me seeing both of you uh, last because I participated in the uh, initiation ceremony and Anthony and I had a chat before uh, the meeting began. So 
what brought you each to Oddfellows? What, uh, what made you think that the fit would be right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with, with, with Odd Fellowship, there, there, there are certain values and personality that, that, that I think, um, it, for me, it, it attracted um, me. And, and Odd Fellowship seems, for me, it seems to, to put their, um, their, their, their personality into helping others and, and, and to, to, be, to do different in the community and be, be, be great in the community. So that's, that's kind of what attracted me more so um more so my my what i what i what i found was that um there there was there was there was a, a club of, of 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 brothers and sisters that that were were all very embracing um for fellowship really and for myself billy um again just to echo what i had just mentioned before about seeing uh, Anthony and his journey, as well as our, our chef, Michael Williams here, um, and Rebecca had joined a lodge as well. There was a few people in our circle, and I really uh, gravitated toward the community-centric vision of the Odd Fellows. Um, obviously, the brothership and sistership of it is, is wonderful and so supportive. Um, however, being a funeral director and devoting my life to funeral service, um, that is a huge key part of what what we do and why we do to get into the community. Community involvement is very supported from our company, um, not only at Sands, but uh, Sands is owned by Arbor Memorial, which is a Canadian-owned family-run company across Canada with over 90 funeral homes, and they uh, put so much effort and funding into our community involvement. And so as a funeral director, we are always striving to find groups and become part of uh, the community where we can help the most, where we can reach out to the community. And I think our main goal for that is to really uh, have families uh, and people in the community meet us uh, before the time of need comes, because that is really helpful in them it not being such a scary situation. If you know the person on the other side of the phone when you're letting them know a loved one died, it takes away a lot of the um, the scariness and the unknown. So it, I really gravitated toward getting in the community, lending a hand and having a, uh, an, a resource of people that were willing to do the same. It was, uh, it's an outstanding amount of community service that the Odd Fellows do and I commend you all and I'm proud to be even a small part of it at this point in my early stage of fellowship. Oh, great. So I want to just dovetail on that. So why don't you kind of explain your roles or your positions within uh, your occupation, um, just to give some, some scope to what you would be involved in day to day as we, and then we're going to take it into uh, relationship to our fellowship. So start with kind of job, description type stuff and maybe I'll, I'll start with this so I can kind of flow in and then Anthony sure. can speak a little bit more into his role into the odd fellows as well which he's had a little more experience um, my role here at Sands Victoria is I'm the uh, managing director so the funeral home manager I am still a licensed funeral director and embalmer and still do like to work with our families and assist with caring for their loved ones um, I have been in funeral service for 13 years now, and I'm going into my 14th year. 
I've been with Arbor Memorial the entire time. Uh, I did my apprenticeship at Richmond Funeral Home on the mainland and I did a management training from coast to coast across the country. Uh, about six years ago, uh, they positioned me in Edmonton and I moved up in my career in management and then was offered Sands Victoria um, in about three years ago now and accepted. So my husband and I moved here. So I've had the pleasure of meeting Anthony and really diving into getting involved in the community, getting to know the island, which is very different from, I thought when uh, I was offered Victoria, I said, great, mini Vancouver. Uh, on the contrary, it is absolutely not Vancouver Island and Victoria is certainly its own uh, beautiful community. And so I've really been blessed to be able to become a part of that. Uh, I do try to open our doors here when we could to our community groups. We used to have a church that met here every Sunday. We had a choir that rehearsed here every Tuesday night. The Kinsmen met here, the Shriners met here. I sit on the board for the hospice committee for their annual fundraiser. Um, so a lot of that stopped. Uh, and, and so the, all of those events have, have been put on pause as COVID has come around. So we do miss uh, seeing our community and our friends in the community join us all the time. But uh, again, I'm, I'm feeling very confident as we move forward with things and uh, the world starts to heal that we will be offering all of those services again to our community and being able to be out there a lot more as well. So Anthony, how about you? You have a shorter story, uh, shorter story, a shorter career. <laughs> Sorry, Billy, I can go. That's okay. That's not what I'm... <laughs> Freudian slip there. No, no. no it's great. Um, so, you know, I, I, I came to a funeral service after the death of a, of a, of a member of my family. That's, that's really how I got the introduction into, into um, that it would be even a possibility or an idea of, of, of a career. Um, growing up later, you, you, you know, you do have relatives who, who, who do tell stories about you when you were a little child on, 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 on that, that I was, I was always kind of curious about death and, 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 and liked funeral homes and liked funeral home cars. Um, so that, that's, those are sort of stories that I don't particularly remember, remember, but I do find that, you, you know, once in a while, a relative will say, you know, we, we, we did have to drive you by a funeral home to look at funeral home cars, you know, at one, at one point when you were four or five years old. Um, so it, it's, it's almost one, like one of those things where, you, you know, um, you, you always, you, you were, you were almost meant to be, you know, where, where, where you are. And I, and I think a lot of funeral directors uh, feel that way. You know, I'm just, I'm just looking at, I've, I've got a note saying to relieve the distressed, um, you know, that, that's, that's one of our, one of our odd fellow missions. Um, and, and really that's, I, I feel like that's what we do every day. Um, when, when we meet, we, we, we have the honor of meeting with families um, and, and, and lots of times they come to us um, um, they come to us uh, in distress and, 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 and we're, we're sort of the beacon to, to help them and, and get their loved one where they need to go and get them what they need to, to move on. Um, I came to funeral service again after the, the death of one of my loved ones. It, that, that was in 2006 or 2005, I do believe. Um, I, and I, I, find, I found myself a, a lot of, uh, for, from there, looking for uh, employment in, in the funeral industry. So I started out uh, with, with um, 
with, with meeting with families to make pre-arrangements and doing transfers and answering the phones, uh, just trying to get that apprenticeship. So that apprenticeship is two years. And, and what you needed or what you needed back, back then is, is a funeral home to take you on and sponsor you and, and, and to put you through school to be able to, um, to use you as a funeral director later and to educate you as a funeral director. So uh, it's, it, it's, it is a bit of a tough journey uh, and, and, and I, find, I find lots of funeral directors when, when, when they find the introduction into, the, 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 into funeral service they strive for that that sponsorship to become become funeral directors. So the education is sponsored. So employment first, and then co-op training or some kind of sponsorship. So yes, yes. There's a two year two year educate or a funeral apprenticeship, and when I went through, there was no option for there. There you had to have a funeral director. Our funeral home put you through school. To, to have you apply for school. So you, would, you did two years of distance educa education and, and, and that's usually uh, over the internet and, and, and through the mail and, and two years, twice or three times a year, you go and, and sit in class and do practical, practical learning. And then you have to work full-time as, a, as a, an apprentice funeral director and, and, and be able to demonstrate that you can, you can be as you, you can demonstrate competencies as a funeral director and, and, and an embalmer as well. So, right. So that's interesting to me. And Anthony, I'll take a segue onto kind of my sure. background too, because I, I, I wasn't quite the drive by the funeral home in my small town I grew up in. Okay. But uh, our T ball team that I was part of was sponsored by the funeral home. And uh, when uh, people saw what our team name was, they always chuckled and said, well, there's, you know, they, they had a bad joke about death and finishing last. Um, but uh, the experience, I think we all have, it's, it's uh, on the odd fellows view of things. And I've become very obsessed, might be the softer word uh, about it, that, um, you know, it's happening all around us. And that's something that we learn right away in Oddfellows, that uh, our, our life is, is momentary in the grand scheme of things. And, and it can be joyful and wonderful. And, and we, we strive and hope to live a long time. But all around us, there's other people leaving the train, so to speak. And, uh, and I had questions about my grandparents passing away and going attending their funeral and so forth so I, I think it's uh, an opportunity to kind of wake yourself up to what relieving the distress really looks like and what um, what part of life what what you can do to relieve distress in advance and so Oddfellows always thinks about or sorry not always but most often you're thinking about seeing somebody in that moment but being a project manager in my life, uh, I always think proactively. So how do we relieve the distress in advance? And that's part of why you're here is to, you guys are both here, is to talk a little bit about that. So um, there's ways that a person can prepare. And so what is preparation for a funeral service? And maybe I'll um, jump in and speak to this a little bit. I'm quite passionate about uh, planning in advance and uh, and really trying to take some of the burden of so many things that 
um, encompass a person when they are often thrown into grief unexpectedly, especially. Um, and so really the message is that pre-planning can help families and loved ones with the emotional burden of making end of life decisions as the plans have already been made and the plan is set in place. So that's that's a, a big point of, of doing things in advance. Um, not only just taking the step to actually make pre-arrangements and put them into play, but, but to start the conversation, um, to start to talk to your family members, to think about what would your final wishes be, um, ensure that they know and they're understood, um, as well as opening up the lines of communication um, and and to um, to get comfortable with the fact that if and when and and really when something would happen, um, who that person is that that would be taking care of you, uh, making a connection with the funeral home that would be also taking care of you and them, uh, being comfortable with your decision. Um, it gives you the opportunity of how you'd want to be remembered. Uh, a big key message in our company, Arbor and Sands um, as well, is how do you want to be remembered? That is one of our key messages to really get people to start to think, what are those what are those things in your life that you've done that you're proud of that you would want to leave your legacy? Um, there's also a lot of people don't know this, but there's 87 decisions to make in order to plan a funeral. Um, and in many cases, that has to be done in a matter of days. So if you are able to do pre-planning in advance, this can not only lift the financial burden for the families, because when you plan in advance and pay for it, it's locked in at that price at that time. So even if you're in good health and you're planning for the future, it's more of an investment into your future uh, for your family and your estate and where the rest of the money gets to go uh, for other things for your family. Um, and so this can relieve family members and remove some of the stress in making all of those decisions at once when they're bereaved and right in the throes of their grief. Um, so that's just a few points that I wanted to speak to, to just try and let people know that, um, you know, here at SANS, we have an advanced planning pre-need specialist on site in our, in our funeral home. Uh, his name's Huntley Ketchum. He is also a, a hugely community-driven, lovely gentleman who is part of our SANS family. Uh, he has helped so many of our families in advance, getting them prepared financially, mentally, getting the questions asked. He doesn't let the families leave without knocking at my office door to introduce me and any of the other team members, our senior directors, Anthony, our assistant manager, our funeral directors, our administrator, as, as he's walking them through the building to get to know some of the team that they will rely on when the death occurs. In many cases, it's imminent. So just there's a, a few things of, of just that we're here to guide a family in advance to really try and make the actual grieving process a little less scary and unknown when they get to that point. Great. Um, so I wanted to jump, uh, like every interview, we, we end up having the COVID component of an interview. My father passed away in uh, November and we, we hit this window where 
we were able to fit in um, 20 people, I think, attended. There was this very short window where it was more than 10 people um, for a memorial service. And so how has, uh, other than the hall, uh, the, the facility, but how has funeral services transformed with uh, a COVID restriction and public health uh, guidelines? Um, well, Billy, first of all, I'd like to extend our condolences on the loss of your father. Um, we, we certainly are a community here. And when we uh, have a loss in the community, it, it affects all of us, especially when COVID. Uh, has come into play. You, you've said it, it, there's been windows of where people can have more uh, people attend. Right now, we still are at the maximum 10, and that includes a clergy, if that is something that you would like to have a part, which, which only leaves nine individuals. Again, we work under the order of the, of, uh, the health order, and we don't go off of those orders by any means. We are very strict in what we're doing and, and go under our work safe guidelines as well. And that's not only to keep our staff safe, but also to keep our community and grieving families safe um, as well. So we have done our very best to try to bring the community together in any other way possible besides the gathering that we've always been uh, so much a voice for is bring the community together to to surround the bereaved and the grieving family to show our support. So there's live streaming that we offer. So from your home, you can watch the services as they're going on. We're doing staggered visitations or services where we can book a few um, times that different family members can come giving us the ample time to do a full disinfection and sanitation of the areas uh, in between so that more family members can attend in person as well. Um, again, our company and our funeral home, SANS, are community driven, and we are certainly not here to take advantage of any of the unfortunate situations that COVID is causing. So we're not charging for two services, two visitations, our fees are just still the same as if it were one, and we are doing the extra work and the extra time to ensure that we can do our very best to support those families through this unprecedented time of, of figuring it out as we go along. But I have to say, we're doing a pretty good job, and I commend the families in the community for their patience and understanding uh, in what we're trying to do to navigate through this as well. So Anthony, I uh, will pivot to you and ask a bit of the odd fellowy and odd fellowship question here. So uh, when a lodge, like thinking of it as a lodge and not as a professional in the industry, the idea of bury the dead uh, doesn't really translate anymore because funerals are, uh, they're expensive relative to what they would have been in the 1800s when bury the dead was our mission. And when we had uh, when many lodges had their own cemeteries to do the burials in and managing the, the cemetery and stuff. But when you've talked to your members or thought of it yourself, what has buried the dead mean meant to you uh, as far as something a lodge membership could fulfill? That's a really good question. So um, I, I always find that, that, that the, 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 the brethren and the, and, and, the lodge is is one of those that that are that are really there to support each other, um, and to support to support one another during during uh, 
tough times. Um, during during any meeting, there is always an opportunity, as you know, as uh, Laura knows, is, is is that there's an opportunity to uh, a visiting committee for, to report on on the sick and distressed. Um, and you know, I've always I've always seen that as an opportunity for 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 us to look out for one another with uh, within the lodge. And now speaking speaking as as a as a funeral director in the, in in the lodge, you know, I, I always find it an an honor when my my brothers and sisters um, feel feel that that they can come to me for guidance and help um, with, with regards to to funeral related questions. Um, use the word again, honored um, when, when when people ask us to help and guide them. And it kind of lines um, up with uh, something I'd heard. It was something I heard from, I believe it was our vice grand uh, in the past, addressing these 87 decisions to plan a funeral. Uh, there was uh, an idea of having a bereavement committee and the committee would be that pseudo task force that uh, a member could be directed towards. So there's... Um, you know, you have a lawyer, you have somebody who knows funeral services, you have somebody who knows, um, you know, small event, they hadn't quite worked out every kink and every the perfect vision of it all. But it was, it was sort of that really focused on this specific issue and, and the departure of a family member to for a brother or a sister to jump into um, cooperation with this group to say, okay, uh, this lawyer will help you look for this. And these are the things you're, he's not going to be the advice person, but just to be somewhat supportive and answer are, are, all those questions. Are you talking about a more of a resource group than? than yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a resource group. I'm, just as you're saying, you, you get asked questions. Um, but this would be the idea was that it would be more, um, people would uh, commit to it in some way that if the, the call was made, they, they would be ready to answer. Yeah. Now, did you, did you, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe about a year ago or so, we, we the, the Victoria Lodge One hosted a death cafe. Did you have an opportunity? Did you attend that death cafe for? I did not, but I gave no. you a plug. Um, I think in one of our earlier episodes that the, uh, the death cafe did, uh, run its course when we uh, were meeting. So why don't you yeah. give us a little rundown on that? So it, it, it was actually put on by the social committee of Victoria Lodge number one um, in, in one of our social nights. And it was a great opportunity to open the conversation and to ask the questions uh, uh, surrounding death and to, to, to surrounding um, death and funerals and, and, and any, any other questions that, that, that might have prevailed for, for the night. Um, and I actually found it not only for me um, as, as, as funeral director, but I actually found it more personally um, a, a very good, a good open space uh, to, to be able to, uh, to speak, um, as, speak freely. Um, and, you, you know, I, I found that, you know, everybody else around me uh, found great value in, in something like that. And, and I went away thinking, you know, maybe maybe every lodge should probably host a death cafe, or or, or maybe have some of these one of these resource nights that you're, that you're talking about um, in, in a very social manner, so that that it, that it be um, before we get to that bereaved stage. You know, before that we get to that emergency planning stage, um, 
as, as you're, you're a project manager and, and you're talking about earlier, um, the, the best plans are, are laid out very, very well in advance. Um, you, you know, and I, I could really see that as, as, as something that the Odd Fellows um, could, could go in that direction of, of having some resources and a regularly scheduled night for planning. So, Laura, when someone does come to you and wants to talk about pre-planning, are they, as a general comment, but general assessment, but do you find that they are prepared or are these people who are rather curious and uh, my, my father did it all and it was, they're completely prepared. Um, so it was, you know, honestly, it was clap our hands together and say, okay, well, this looks easy. Uh, but, um, you know, how do people show up at your door? And that is a great question because there is no solid answer to that. It, it depends on what they've had in their own personal life experiences. And if they've had death already in their lives, if you've experienced a death, you do have some sort of, you know, an idea of how it happens. Uh, there are so many factors to the people that show up on our door, uh, whether they're planning, planning in advance for themselves, uh, whether they're planning in advance for a family member who's in a care home, and that care home is guiding them in that direction as well, saying it's time you start to think about planning some things in advance for your mom, let's say. And so in, in many cases, we also receive them in various phases of anticipatory grief as well. So um, we are prepared, you know, kind of back what you, uh, you know, one of the points you made about the Odd Fellows that, that again struck to me of what funeral service is about. Uh, we are there to take the call when it's needed. So we are always prepared for someone who has quite a few things in place or the person that comes in and just says, I've never done this before. I've never experienced a death. I have no idea what we're doing, uh, where to start, et cetera, et cetera. So we are there with, with well, I'd love to say open arms, but we're there with the appropriate amount of space between us and an open door with masks at the moment and they are still welcome into our facility you know really it is the time it's such a hard thing for us in funeral service not to embrace uh the, the grieving it's just it's it's the way we've always done it so it has been very difficult but you know we are we are finding ways of really letting them know that we are still here to assist them so no matter what um degree of knowledge they have when they show up at our door or call us we're ready with all of that information to take them through. There's, there's never any, you know, you, you don't have to sign on the day that you arrive and make all of the decisions there. We, we recommend people taking that first call, making that first call to ask some questions, really get to know who we are here and what we can do to assist. I'm happy to hear you felt cared for, that your father set things in place for you. And we do have uh, you know, many children and spouses uh, who, who thank their loved one for setting things up and getting things in place. And I have to say, we appreciate that too. Uh, it gives us such a better idea before the families come in after the death has occurred uh, to know what they want. On the other end, if it's an unexpected death and there's been nothing put in place, we are of the same sense of urgency to ensure that every question is answered. So uh, again, our arrangement times 
can be anywhere from one hour because everything's put in, put in place and it's fairly uh, you know, laid out for them already to three hours if they have a lot of questions and really need to go through things with guidance. But again, if you're putting the prearrangements in place beforehand, um, you know, we're here to provide that expert guidance uh, to navigate the difficult conversations with their families, uh, make sense of it all, and planning uh, for their end of life journey that we will all have. We will all have, yes. Uh, so you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you're in a uh, an old building. What do, what do you know about or what can you tell us about Sands history? I can I can say some and then maybe we'll switch to Anthony because he has he has quite a few more years than I do. But I'll just start the conversation um, by saying I, I know that the, it was the Sands family that started uh, the funeral business here in uh, Victoria and it was established in 1912. It was actually a small heritage white building, just kitty corner about a block and a half down from us across the street there uh, that it started in. And then they expanded their business um, and uh, bought and built, sorry, this building. This building was built for, for Sands, I believe, in 1932. And so it's a very large building um, that has served this community for over a hundred years, certainly the Sands family. Uh, and, and of course, um, when Arbor Memorial bought Sands in 1986, uh, the Sands family uh, did authorize for um, Arbor to remain using their Sands name, uh, perhaps because Arbor Memorial is also owned by a Canadian family and the values are very similar in community-driven uh, funeral service. Um, but it has been a pleasure uh, and an honor to take over th the management of SANS here. Um, and we also have four other SANS locations uh, in the island, on the island, which is uh, SANS Victoria here, SANS Colwood, SANS Duncan, and SANS Nanaimo. Um, Anthony, do you have anything no, I think I think you uh, you you got it all. Uh, other than um, when, when when perhaps when we when when we're allowed to invite people in again, the the the, the building has its is beautifully built and it's been expanded upon over over the years, um, and so it, it it is it does have its intricities about it, um, and and but but it, but it is actually a very 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 beautiful building. Um, it, it's always great to come come here. It's, it's almost like a second home to me. Um, I, I finished my apprenticeship here in, in two from from in two thousand seven. Um, so so it, it 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 does actually feel a lot like home to me. Yeah. So at one point, I, I do rem maybe maybe to add add on to that um, that the the Sands family did did have a number of suites above the building that they uh, lived in. And, and sometimes the apprentice lived in, 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 in some of the suites before, before the time where, where you had a cell phone or an answering service or a forwarding service. Somebody had to be here to, to answer the call of families who've, who've, who had experienced loss. Um, so so there, there are some, some things that, you know, there there is still a suite here. You, you know, you can still see see parts of a suite, um, and and it, it's just a a neat building to work out of. So I will uh, confess to baiting you on here, um, not as a quiz, but I had done a little research into the company as well, uh, 
Um, and uh, I have uh, evidence that uh, brother Mason Sands was initiated into Dominion Lodge uh, number four on May uh, March 30th, 1911. So he was an odd what? fellow. Wow. 1911. So that's the original founder would be Mason Sands. That's right. And, and so it would kind of make sense because I do believe he was he was educated as a funeral director in the United States somewhere or in a bomber. Sorry. That's correct. So that's back in, back in that, in his, in Mason's time, um, there was no licensed funeral director. You, you became a licensed embalmer um, and, 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 and sort of those skills or those trades or the, that tact um, uh, uh, came later. Um, Mason, it, it, it would, it would, it would make complete sense. And I do believe uh, Laverne, his son, son was at, at, who, who, who was the next generation of Sands, um, continued on into 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 service. I, I, I do believe uh, that, that gentleman was a uh, was a ro ro Rotarian as well as as a, I do believe he was a a, a Freemason. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that, and and that that would totally make sense. Yeah. So he had originally, uh, Sands had originally partnered with someone named Wesley Fulton, uh, who was also uh, a member, an odd fellow. He was a member of Columbia Lodge uh, number two. Um, oh, wow. And Ma uh, when Mason passes away in uh, 1976, uh, his, obitu his newspaper obituary um, is, is very interesting. And if uh, I'll just do this out of indulging myself, I'll actually read part of it. So this is from December, 1976. And this is Sands Rights Set. Funeral services will be held Wednesday for the founder of Sands Funeral Chapel on Quadra Street. It gives his address, which I always love uh, in, in old timey newspapers. This is exactly where he used to live. But he was born in Madison, Wisconsin in 1883. And he was educated okay. in the United States, worked in Minneapolis firm of funeral directors. Uh, your, everybody's history is dead on. He founded the Quadra Street Chapel in 1912. And they moved in there somewhere around 1932, 1933 to the new building. The same year, uh, 1912, he was married to Winifred Lee. Uh, and then this is where it gets really kind of ties into his fraternal work. During the depression of the 30s, Sands became known for offering hot soup to anyone down on their luck. Former member of Victoria Chamber of Commerce, Sands also belonged to numerous service and fraternal organizations. He was a life member of the Rota Victoria Rotary Club, a charter member of the Elks Lodge, a life member of Golden Eagles uh, and the Fraternal Order of Eagles, Airy number 12, shout out to Airy in Esquimalt, and was a member of Columbia Lodge number two, Oddfellows, and the United Commercial Travelers uh, group or organization. And uh, then it goes into the members of his family that survive after him, Laverne, one of them. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, I thought, hey, that's really cool. He, he did a red roller. He would hand soup out to people uh, down on their luck, just like we continue to do these days. Isn't, isn't that amazing? You know, that, that's still something that, that, that keeps, 
getting getting revived in different ways is is to handing out soup, you know, to to the needy to relieve the distress that way. Yeah. And, well, and, and even when um, we were we had uh, our chef Michael Williams on our team here, and we were serving families um, and having numerous people come into the arrangement offices just last year and so forth, and we were able to do a little more interacting. Um, I've just pulled up one of our flyers that we would have um, on our website and giving out to families. And it says, we know how difficult the arrangement process can be and the comfort and warmth that a meal can provide. At Sands, we extend our support by providing homemade soup for our families to take home, prepared by our in-house chef, Michael Williams. So that was last year. So all those years later, people are still getting soup, hot soup from Sands, Victoria. The power of soup. <laughs> yep, there you go. So uh, what other uh, associations or organizations that uh, you guys uh, work with? Because I had spotted a, a, a picture of the two of you, but looked like you were playing baseball or something like that. Maybe you were doing something else, but it was in the Victoria News, I believe, about stepping out and being part of the community. Uh, would that have been uh, taking it to the streets for, yes. for the hockey turn a hockey tournament? Yes, maybe yeah. it was. Yeah, I, I do believe uh, we, we took part uh, to uh, for taking it to the streets. Um, it, it was a street hockey tournament. Um, we're always fine trying to find our ways to, to, to be involved and, and a part of the community. Um, um, there, there, there have been some great times um, and, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I mean, I, we, we did uh, uh, enter a team into, into uh, bed racing at one time. So at the Sydney street bed races. So, um, it, it, you know, I, I think Laura might, might be able to expand a bit more. Um, uh, sure. I'd love to. It's, it's yeah, certainly yeah. one of my biggest passions in funeral service. Um, and I, I certainly am very proud of the work that we've done in the, in the three years and the work I inherited when I was hired here as manager and the, the wonderful work that the team had done here before that uh, to reach out to the community that many of which I just carried on uh, hike for hospice, which we have numerous teams every year. We ended up taking the corporate challenge trophy uh, for 2019. That was a great year for us before um, 2020 hit with our community involvement. Uh, the Kinsmen recognized us with the Community Outreach Award for uh, the work that we've done with, with them and providing them storage for, um, for them to go forward with their community involvement a little easier, volunteering for them, offering space for their meetings. Um, our, our Arbor as well actually nominated and um, blessed us with the Community Involvement Award for 2019 as well for our team wow. across the country. It was a great year for us. We were just really embracing that. Again, um, our, our team joining Odd Fellows to even raise that, uh, joining the committee at Hospice to, to do even further with their events. Um, but anytime we see or hear something fun that's going on in and around the city, uh, we certainly are doing our best to see if we can put a team together, if we can support it, if we can, again, we have our uh, second outfit, uh, if you will, our second uniform that isn't a three-piece suit that you always see us in, in funeral service. It's a golf shirt with our uh, Arbor and Sands logos on it, a little bit more casual, and we're out there bowling for big brothers or hiking for hospice 
Hospice or Kids for Compassion this year. And uh, we just, I mean, it was one of the reasons um, that I accepted the position in Victoria was it's such a community driven funeral home. Um, would you, you know, would you want to take on that mandate to ensure that that community support is still there? Uh, so that's certainly one of the reasons I packed my bags um, and came out here quickly. That and I was leaving um, Edmonton and it was pretty cold. <laughs> snowy there. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for letting us speak to that as well, Billy. It's just been wonderful. And even with uh, COVID and the restrictions, we're still finding ways uh, to support the community through different funding. And I also would just like to extend uh, a huge kudos to all of the odd fellows uh, following you guys on Facebook and seeing what you've still accomplished with all the restrictions, being able to support the community uh, is just wonderful. And um, we've, we've certainly, again, we're, we're here as well to provide that support and, and, and really hold that dear to our hearts that that's, that's a big reason that Sands Victoria uh, is is so successful for all these years in the community is, is because the community trusts us and they know us. Right. So I, I have uh, I have a history of doing a little research. Maybe it's it's not quite stock, <laughs> stocking, but it's I, we don't have a research department here at the Modern Goat Rider. So um, I went looking uh, for information about pre preparation and and I came across a number of articles on grief and loss and preparation that you had done, Laura. So if people are you know, not quite ready to walk through the door yet. Google uh, Laura, uh, Laura Van Sprang and look up pre-planning and so forth. There's some articles that have been written that are also on the web. Um, but the most interesting discovery I'm going to put you on the spot for is dancing with the Richmond stars. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite, that was one of my favorite times. So I had joined the, um, I was sat on the board as event coordinator for the Richmond Hospice Foundation and um, myself and the uh, executive director, Patricia Miller and I came up with an idea and Dancing with the Stars had just launched and I was actually a fan of the show. And so we put together an event where I and Patricia uh, and Pat, as I called her, we hit the ground running and we just asked everyone in the community who would be willing to dance. We partnered up with the local uh, uh, ballroom and uh, Andy Wong was amazing and providing the ballroom for us and the dance instructors. I got a palliative care doctor. I got a female fire chief. I got a writer for the Richmond News. I myself uh, participated and one toot toot. <laughs> The event, uh, it was it was wonderful. It was one of my favorite. I, I also love to perform and have done lots of performing in my in my past before I was in funeral directing and then a little bit uh, as well before I got a little too busy in, in following through with my career. Uh, so it was a wonderful way to to be a part of funeral service, raise money for hospice, perform, be in the community. Uh, we, we raised lots of money for hospice, had a great time doing it. And it continued to run after I left for management training successful, successfully for a couple more years uh, as well. So that was a great successful event. And um, unfortunately, I, I believe the Hospice Foundation there is no longer, or at least Pat, is no longer a part of that. 
um, but for the time that it was running, uh, that was a great successful event. And so uh, partnering up with hospice here in Victoria and working on their Fashion for Compassion is what we did last year. And this year we're doing Kits for Compassion is a little uh, less performance for me, but Anthony and Huntley, our advanced planning specialist and myself uh, were able right before COVID last year um, to go out to the uh, state and church winery and uh, we had a wonderful event where uh, a lot of the hospice volunteers and uh, turnabout uh, secondhand clothing, they did a, a fashion show and we went around and sold uh, hearts for the raffles and door prizes and we just had a wonderful day. So this year we're doing kits for compassion uh, where we'll be selling kits. Uh, I won't give out too much information because we're still in the beginning stages of finalizing everything, but it's going to be a wonderful online event uh, that will be happening May 2nd. And I would certainly send uh, some information the Odd Fellows way once we have everything um, ready to go and launch our release date for that, I think is March 15th. So uh, get some funds ready to purchase a kit and have some fun with us that way. And uh, yeah, so hospice is a huge uh, part of my community involvement. I've always really had a, a close connection with hospice and wanting to do as much as I can to raise the necessary funds to keep that wonderful uh, organization going who provides so much support for our families through those final stages of their loved one's uh, life. And uh, we, we appreciate them so much. So we're, we're certainly, um, passionate and, and I certainly am passionate about helping and being able to raise as much money possible to to assist them in their work. Wow, wonderful stuff. Thanks. And the great ideas there. Uh, Anthony mentioning the bad races uh, that I remember those as a kid. And then the other events that you've you've pinpointed as bigger, more glamorous events, but still there's something we can look forward to, um, you know, lodges and uh, event planners uh, reconsidering those in the future. Uh, is there anything we missed? I don't think so. I think that was, I think that was a great conversation. Um, you know, I think the only thing that maybe Anthony and I would like to, to speak to that Anthony um, said very eloquently was we would be honored to answer any questions for any of the odd fellows or your friends or family members. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thanks for the uh, time and all the information. It's been wonderful. And uh, I uh, wish you lots of success and, uh, and hopefully COVID does suddenly disappear and we're back to our caring and uh, uh, big groups and we can hug people again. That would be nice. Thank you, Thank you Billy. You're welcome. Well, that'll do it for me and uh, Anthony and Laura. Thank you very much for uh, making the time to have the call. I said a lot at the start, and I think that the takeaway for me is that uh, there's a moment in one of our ceremonies, the draping of the charter ceremonies, if you get your hands on that uh, short ceremony, uh, that there is time for perspective when we're recognizing the passing of one fellow member that uh, we think a bit about how our legacy is going to be. And uh, that's part of Odd Fellowship. That's part of the symbolism and the lessons. So uh, keep that in mind. 
So Josh and I will be back again soon. Josh, Josh, let's get back together, brother. Uh, making uh, another episode for our Oddfellow discoveries and seeing the Oddfellowship all around us. Cheers in FLT.